Hi there. Thank you for listening to the very first episode of Blue Pine Transmissions. Uh, just wanted to put a bit of a trigger warning up the top there. Um, Unsolved Mysteries was and is a true crime show, and so it deals with some subjects that some people might find distressing, such as assault, murder, self-harm, and suicide. It's not something we talk about uh, during the entirety of the episode or anything like that, but you might want to skip the middle section. Um, otherwise, hope you enjoy. What you're about to see is not a news broadcast. Today near England's ancient monolith at Stonehenge, an extraordinary phenomenon is occurring that defies all explanation. Bizarre, perfectly formed circles are appearing overnight in scores of wheat fields across the country. Experts have no idea how they have been formed, only that they seem to have no human or natural origin. Who or what is responsible for their creation? In a small town in Colorado, two friends vanished without a trace under the same bizarre circumstances, and oddly, these same events were foretold in a novel one was writing about the other. On a North Carolina highway, four men were stalked and driven off the road in a savage high-speed chase. What could have been the motive for this vicious hit-and-run killing? Also tonight, the heartwarming story of a reunion between a young woman and the loving family that she was separated from 13 years ago. On the very night of our broadcast, Sharon Stevens found her long-lost foster parents. Okay, so everyone, uh, welcome back to, well, not welcome back, welcome to the very first episode of Lupine Transmissions, uh, the show where we talk about everything strange, weird, wonderful and unusual, uh, and cover quite a broad spectrum of stuff there. So uh, today I'd like to welcome my guest Sophie, who's a longtime friend of mine and uh, artist and an actor. And uh, look, Sophie, this is the the first episode of Lupine Transmissions, but it's not actually the first time we've tried recording it, is it? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm so sorry. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. No, 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 Um, no, you don't need to be sorry. It's just, it was just, so we we tried to record this about a month and a half ago, and there was a technical error, and unfortunately, the recordings were ruined, Uh, but that's no one's fault. It's just one of these, these things you deal with when you're recording podcasts podcasts long distance during a pandemic so (laughs) and is there any better time really yeah is there any better time yeah (laughs) so today what are we going to be talking about sophie we're talking about unsolved mysteries Um, we are the show that terrified all of us as kids oh my god yes robert stack bloody hell continues to continues to yes (laughs) so so before we hook into the the kind of story behind unsolved mysteries what what are you drinking tonight so oh well here's a little asmr for people (laughs) (laughs) um honestly it's a g&t so it's four pillars i think the negroni one think red and white bottle for anyone playing at home um so four pillars gin uh with just a tonic i don't know if the tonic's very special but it is in a limited edition hungry jack's cup the yellow color 
Yeah. Very nice, very nice. Well, it's it limited edition from Hungry Jack. That's something special in Australia. I don't think people realise like how unusual like yeah. Burger King and stuff is in comparison to McDonald's over here. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah. So how about you? What are you drinking? So uh, I'll do a little bit of ASMR myself <laughs> here. We've just got the soup. Yeah, there we go. A little bit of Gentleman Jack whiskey uh, being poured into some Diet Coke there. So very, very tasteful, very, nice. very tasteful. Lovely. Yeah, yeah it's very And I realized early this evening that all the glasses in the house were dirty, so I'm actually drinking it out of a goblet, which is ridiculous <laughs> and pretentious, but here we are. So, you know. <laughs> I love it. That's great. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah, I've only got like two mugs that I really care about um, or that I bother cleaning. Everything else is sort of under the sink, out of sight, out of mind. Um, mm. Yeah, so I just sort of go back and forth between washing those two mugs up, and it works for me. Yeah, yeah. I have special beer drinking mugs and things. Oh, not mugs, I should say, glasses and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So one of them's been pressed into service for this, and <laughs> it, it it does feel kind of plebby having like uh, you know uh, bourbon in there, bourbon and coke in there instead of like nice Belgian beer. But look, these are these are first world problems. Like, and <laughs> I don't I don't want to overstate uh, don't want to overstate the, the the gravity of the situation or anything like that. Very nice. So. I guess to uh, truly, uh, so for people who haven't, because there's probably going to be one or two, for people who haven't watched Unsolved Mysteries before, Mm. um, Unsolved Mysteries kind of started, I'll go through the history in a bit more detail in a second, but essentially it was this show that aired all through the late 80s up until the late 90s, essentially. Um, No, 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 up until the early aughts, actually, I should say. Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah, talking about, um, it was primarily true um, but the, what has really sort of stuck in people's memory over the years are the bizarro paranormal segments mm. that it would have. And we'll, we'll talk about three of our favorite <laughs> ones later, <laughs> yep. um, which really cover the spectrum from kind of like over the top ridiculous and totally implausible all the way to just genuinely oh. horrifying. So, yeah, but we'll, we'll get to that, I guess. So to, to start off... Um, so, Unsolved Mysteries originally launched back in 1987, and um, rather than being a regular TV series initially, it was kind of a series of um, seven specials, which aired between January 1987 and March 1988. So, the initial episode was hosted by Raymond Burr, and then they had two of these specials with Carl Molden. And then for the third special, Robert Stack took over. Uh, and then when it was uh, picked up in, I believe it was later in 1988, about September 1988, it was picked up as a regular series. Stack stayed on as the full-time host. So all of these guys, um, if you're not familiar with them, um, they, they were all kind of old-school Hollywood types, you know, guys who'd been big actors in, I think, like from the 40s to the 60s kind of thing. So they, they'd all had sort of long careers as, as kind of a mix of character actors to stuff and leading man bit pieces uh, well, well before they ever came near Unsolved Mysteries. Um, fun fact, Robert Stack apparently once had a threesome with Zaza Gabor. So, <laughs> Who says? You know, the, Who says? Internet says. Internet says. And the internet's never wrong. So, you know, good for you, Rob. Right. Um, so that kind of... Uh, now, Robert Stack sort of stayed in that position all the way until 2002. Mm. Um, now, by the end, as you might expect for any show that's been running about 14 <laughs> years, um, ratings were kind of dwindling. Uh, they did try a few things to pizzazz it up along the way, like Virginia Madsen was brought on in 1999. Um, mm. 
Yeah, so she was. She's probably best known. She's done quite a few things, but I know her best from being the lead actor a- actress in um, Candyman. Uh-huh. Um, uh, yeah, from 1993. Don't say his name five times. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, and unfortunately, she's sort of been cut out of the latest syndicated version. She didn't really bring the pop they were hoping for. And uh, so when it moved over to syndication, they sort of edited oh. her out and Robert Stack redid oh, the voiceovers. So that, that voice, though. Can yeah. You it's, My goodness. It's, <laughs> she's oh, not... Oh, no, yeah, sorry. I, I mean, James... Um, I was about to say James oh, because that's who he reminds James me of. He reminds me of um, yeah, James Lipton, uh, especially when he's like a pillowcase of batteries. Um, yeah. <laughs> his Arrested Development uh, cameo there. Um, he, he is, and I guess Lipton was kind of of that old school Hollywood mode too because he was about 300 <laughs> old when he finally kicked the bucket a year or so yeah, ago. Yeah, like, no so, mm. yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if they even were together at some point, though I'll, I'll have to leave that to our intrepid listeners to you chase that You might almost call us. that an unsolved mystery. <laughs> dun, dun. It, it is. It's, could it be very easily solved? <laughs> I, don't, I can't say. Who like, can the... say? Yeah. <laughs> oh. But, um, for, for, you know, that, that many seasons is still a good run by any measure. Like, not how many shows run that long, you know? So, um, and then, unfortunately, Robert Stack passed away in 2003 at the age of 84. He, um, he had heart failure, which is not a terribly unusual thing to have at that age. Um, then the brand was kind of set to rest for a few years, and they brought it back in 2008 with Dennis Farina as a host. Um, but now Dennis Farina, I, he's been in a lot of stuff, but I only really knew him as being in New Girl, playing Jake's father. Um, Sorry, this in, is great. <laughs> I'm getting caught up on all. Yeah, this. no, no, he's he's not in he's not in tons of episodes of that, but he he did the he you know he played Jake's father pretty much as you would expect him. He's kind of like absent. <laughs> And, a, and an alcoholic and like you know that that's played for laughs but then there's the poignant moment where everyone reunites and he's like i actually do oh. love you son you know all the all all those like terrible sitcom tropes about absent parents oh, and yeah. that kind of thing. Up with him minutes as well. mm. exactly who amongst us hasn't had um significant <laughs> portions of life real life trauma wrapped up in 30 minutes or less yeah, you know, yeah. including ads yes yeah, so. <laughs> um so, uh, but now this version of it was pretty much just old segments that were kind of rebundled with some, with a handful of updates because obviously it had been off the air for a few years. Um, some of these things had been solved, some of them hadn't. Um, but I did see it in the US once about four years ago. I was staying in Texas and um, we were staying at one of my wife's relatives' houses and I'd wake up in the morning like hours before anyone else and there was nothing really to do because I was kind of just in the suburbs of Dallas. Um, so, you know, you need a car to get around mm-hmm. and so on. And uh, I, I didn't have an American oh, license, right. obviously. <laughs> so I just, but one of the channels just showed like six hours of unsolved mysteries oh, every man. morning. Oh, so, man. Yeah. Were you like completely I know. paranoid? <laughs> After? Uh, no, I was kind of. I was kind of okay because Dennis Farina doesn't bring that <laughs> menace to to the role that Robert Stack yeah, kind yeah. of does, and it, it, it was just those versions of the shows that we're, we're watching, and and it's kind of dull by mm. comparison, which is a shame because I do like Dennis Farina. I just don't think he was the mm, right person mm-hmm. for this. Um, so now in twenty twenty. Um, 
the the show is definitely best remembered for its run with stack and and that mm. makes sense of course and you can watch pretty much all the all the episodes on youtube or amazon prime there's a handful that aren't up there i don't really know why it's, it's possible there's music rights ah, or something like that, that, that terrible that, music <laughs> oh my goodness yeah the, but that tends to be what keeps stuff out of right. syndication you know for for whatever reason it's it's above <laughs> my pay grade so mm. <laughs> um so you can't watch them kind of as they originally screened, but that that's kind of a moot point anyway, given that a lot of the time they were chopped up and re-aired, even within the program's mm. lifespan. Um, but currently, uh, it's sort of running in a revived form on Netflix. Um, we, when we first recorded this episode, the the second batch of six episodes were not out. Um, but in the in the interim, uh, when we've uh, had to re-record, they have come out. So. <laughs> a little behind the eight ball, but that's um, okay. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. That we will, we will, and and that might have been how some of you discovered this podcast. Ah. In fact, because because um, uh, obviously we're going to be primarily talking about the old version of Unsolved Mysteries, but I do hope to do an episode on the on the newer version further down the track. So, um, so I guess then that kind of ties into why it took off and why the hell it lasted so long. Because I mean, it's very difficult, I think, for. Um, I don't know what what runs for like fourteen seasons these neighbors. days. Friends didn't run that long. <laughs> I guess home and away. Neighbors, neighbors, neighbors is yeah, soap that, though. That is like, true. Um, uh, yeah, good question. Yeah. The Big Bang uh, Theory. Uh, I, I don't know. Like, yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. No, it is mm. a good question. I mean, I guess it's obviously got to mm. probably have something to do with how it's rooted in uh, the real life aspect of that. These are true things that have happened, or you know, the human experience is sort of caught up in yeah that that it happened to real people um it might be a bit dubious you know surrounding kind of some of the details like more so the paranormal ones. <laughs> yeah and and um, and we'll just we'll discover just how dubious <laughs> towards the end oh, of this episode as well to too. That's, that's hilarious <laughs> um, but, but yeah i don't know i guess yeah that real human um aspect to it is, is sort of some somewhat intriguing the, the idea that people might, I, I, you know, find themselves in a situation like that that's happened to real people, um, maybe, I don't know. Perhaps it, perhaps <laughs> it could be you, you know. Mm. Like, uh, but I, I, think, I think you're right, because I think that the, the new version is very, like, prestige TV, mm. which makes sense given the time it's mm. airing in. But, the, you know, back in the, the 80s and the 90s, this was a sort of near prime time, like, you know, very sort of trash <laughs> TV show. Like, and, but, but there was also that community service kind of element because, you know, you could see missing people reunited or, like, yeah. crimes with, that get solved Actually, and that kind of thing. Just while we're so. on that, I remember looking up... Um, Sure. Something about sort of the success rate uh, of some of these unsolved mysteries getting solved via this television show. And um, I think it was something pretty high, like 30% of the cases that, you know, had a segment about them ended up being solved later down the line, um, which is pretty incredible. I mean, this is Wikipedia information, so let's just put that on the table. But if true, <laughs> that's, um, I, I thought that was an inordinately high, you know, uh, rate. rate yeah. Well, when you consider like the the sort of the rates of other unsolved crime mm. and things like that, and there's a, there's a few good stories about like people 
um, watching it, realizing that they're neighbors with the criminals oh, and yeah. things like that, and then the per the person being arrested before the end of the episode, <laughs> <and> that kind <laughs> of thing. So, it's, there's some really funny stories about that, but um, but I think too, it really kind of tied into definitely something that warrants an probably more than an episode, probably a whole series in itself is like the Satanic Panic oh. and. Un Unsolved Mysteries definitely plays off that kind of wider cultural paranoia about like mm. cults and sinister people hanging around the park oh and that God. sort of stuff that was very abundant in the <laughs> 80s. Um, and and very little while, while actually when you go back and watch it like I, I'd say probably only a third if if that of the show is actually about like bizarro mm -hmm. you know UFOs mm -hmm. or ghosts mm -hmm. and things like that the far and away it's true crime um, but I also think it did pro like it had a wider cultural impact and I think it probably helped get the X Files on yeah wow well, because when Cause... you'd be able to tell me when did X Files first come on the air. Right. Uh, right. 93, so sort of 93, yeah. Um, yeah, far out. No, that's that's probably a really good point. I mean, I, I was in a household that grew up, um, I grew up in a household rather that wasn't allowed to watch the X-Files. So uh, maybe, I don't know if that's a part of it, but um, but yeah, no, no doubt. Which is surprising too, because it seems like it would have been right up your mum's alley without, without going into too many details here. Like from what I know of your mum, she, she seems like, you know, very much the target audience for it. I hope you know, to this. Um, yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, she better. Like. Oh no, yeah, I don't know. There was I can remember. Okay, quick, quick sidebar. Like I can remember watching. There was an episode playing at home, and it was one where there was a guy in a car. And it was some sort of, uh, please tell me you know the, the one I'm talking about, but like there was like a helicopter filming them, like uh, there was like maybe a police chase, I guess. I was like really young and I remember the, yeah, so it was an episode where it started with a car that was being followed by police and a police helicopter and then there was footage of like whoever was in the car, all you suddenly saw was just blood splattering on like the side window, like from an aerial view. That's the that's the one with um, what's his oh. name from. It's called Apple. Drive, um, and it's the guy's worried oh, no. his head is going no. to explode, and it, the guy who plays oh, the guy and his head does eventually explode, um, and the. Yeah, yeah, if it's the one I'm thinking of, and the guy who played the guy whose head explodes was. Um, uh, Brian, Brian what's his name from Breaking oh, Bad? Oh, good for him! Oh, that's yeah, great. Brian Cranston. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Vince, what's his name, who Gilligan? wrote um, yeah, Breaking Bad? Yeah, yeah Vince Gilligan. That's right. He he's oh, the one who they? actually wrote that episode, oh, that the X Files, too. Oh, good so, for them. That's yeah, good. small world. Well, anyway, isn't as a it, child, you know? terrifying. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think my older brother Brian yeah. was kind of maybe he was like sneaking episodes and I think that might have been one where I was sort of like peering around the couch like wanting to watch an episode with him and as soon as I saw that I was like and that's not something I'm gonna try and watch ever again which is a shame I think maybe as an adult um, <laughs> I might have to give the series a go um unfortunately the lock oh yeah yeah it's all well I was gonna say it's all up on SBS on demand now oh, all, all the seasons of it so you can watch it on there for free yeah nice yeah, yeah, I've been watching a few episodes, so yeah, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but uh, I think yeah, definitely the ex. We sh we should get you back on after you've yeah. watched maybe a few episodes of the first season or something, and we could talk about it then because the X Files is definitely okay. in the in the wheelhouse well, yeah, of this nice. podcast. I think so. <laughs> um, 
but I think, but but even even before that, I think there was just a wider interest in some of this like paranormal subject matter and stuff, like unsolved mysteries. As you like like any show that's as successful as unsolved mysteries was, it spawned a bunch of knockoffs. So you had this one in the US called Sightings, which was essentially just the paranormal stuff. So it was like, oh, this guy is haunted, and um, you know, he's got a really vague story, and now we've got a really crappy reenactment to go with it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then in Australia, we had uh, The Extraordinary um, with uh, Warwick Moss, who ended up hosting a bunch of gardening shows and stuff like that oh, later was, in life. Was, sorry to cut you in, but um, cut in. But like, was this the one with the um, the gossip UFO? <laughs> Yay! Okay, I am I am familiar with that. Um, uh, on the the UFO in Gosford two two five oh um yeah it was <laughs> some weird kind of hometown pride or something some some weird kind of feeling with that but no that that was really really quite cool actually um yeah I, I wish I'd known that that was a, a show back in the day um it's all just sort of YouTube clips now I suppose but um but yeah definitely yeah. seen that clip. And it's never, I, and we'll, we'll talk about this in a little bit, but the Unsolved Mysteries, at least, you can watch online very, very easily. Like, mm. if you've got YouTube, you can watch it. The Extraordinary doesn't ever seem to have been put out on, like, VHS or DVD, or you, you can watch very isolated segments from it on YouTube, but there's no, like, real official channels to right. get it, which is very disappointing. But, um, yeah, but, uh, and, and it did eventually get syndicated for the US as well, they sort of replace Warwick Moss's segments with some American guy. So, um, and then of course there was the Alien Autopsy special, which came out in 1995 um, with Jonathan Frakes of Star Trek fame. Uh, um, you know, interviewing people like Stan Winston and all these other special effects artists. So, but again, we we won't get too bogged down in that because the the Alien Autopsy again. And, and I know I've been saying this a bit already, but that is one I want to do an episode on. So. Um, but I think too it, it leads into this kind of in the 60s in the 50s and the 60s you had this kind of you know shift towards like um, uh, peace love happiness uh, you know uh, and, and that kind of thing like you know obviously during very turbulent times I don't pretend mm. the 50s and the 60s mm-hmm. were nothing but the hippie movement or anything like that <laughs> and the beatniks and stuff like that but I, I think I think <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, Ned Flanders' parents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've tried nothing and we're all out of ideas. But I think in the 90s, and, and it's off in the 80s too, there was kind of this almost inverse response to it. There was all this conspiratorial thinking. Um, and I think the X-Files, like, although it fueled some of it, I think the reason it was able to kind of be made was, was because mm. it was kind of picking up something that was going mm. on in the, the cultural zeitgeist anyway. And I think Unsolved Mysteries is part of mm. that too, personally. Um, and, you know, of course now, like, uh, yeah, it's now conspiracy. Like, I remember as a kid reading a lot of books about conspiracy theories and things like that. And I know with the benefit of hindsight that some of these ideas were definitely um, sketchy and problematic. Um, but, you know, if we now it, – it wasn't overrun with, like, say, QAnon weirdos okay. or – People like Pete Evans uh. who tell you that vaccines are bad and that kind of thing. Like it, it was, it, it was, yeah. it, it was yeah. like maybe the government's Finally. keeping aliens in a shelter mm. somewhere. Now it's like no, 
Yeah, yeah, you know, like more <laughs> implausible. Uh, but you know, no, actually, no. I'd say it's less plausible now. I don't want to. I don't want to give credence to these <laughs> uh, the modern yeah, round of dickheads. So you know, the, um, uh, so what what do you remember about unsolved mysteries uh, from when you were a kid? Yeah, please, please. Yeah, I'll tell you. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I remember vividly um, my first encounter with Unsolved Mysteries because I was at a sleepover uh, and I, I think we'd all gone to bed, but um, Lyndon, wherever you are, um, my friend in year two, she had her, her parents were still up and I remember going down to get a drink of water and they were watching and I can't remember what they would have been watching. I, I can't remember, but I know that that was the show that they were watching while we were all in bed. And uh, and I just remember being in the hallway in the dark and they were sort of sitting. Um, this this podcast is going to make it sound like I'm watching a lot of TV from behind other people watching TV. <laughs> Not the case, I don't think. But anyway. But, yeah. but, that's, what, but that's what you did when you grew up, like yeah. going to a weird evangelical school oh, in God. the 90s. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, there was there was plenty of, plenty of that stuff. <laughs> I, I know yeah. I did it, you know. So. Well, yeah. Oh, so anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I can just remember being in the hallway in the dark and um, so the light of the TV was sort of, you know, making the room, you know, flicker. And, uh, yeah, they were watching an episode of that. And I just remember not sleeping at all. Um, I just, yeah. And, I, and you know you, when you've got that guilt as a kid when you're, you know, not meant to be out of bed? I desperately wanted them to say, please turn it off. But um, I just, uh, I think I just wanted to go back to bed. But I sort of felt kind of frozen in the hallway of, like, watching this creepy seeming. Because, you know, it's not just the content. It's honestly the whole vibe of this show especially back then was just so um unnerving and it was robert stack's face and just looking right at you into your soul it's the whole bit so um yeah <laughs> being terrified in the hallway it, is it, the short answer it it really is though like it's it's hard to convey like if you watch it now in in during daytime with on snacks. youtube like yeah. it's uh it's a yeah with snacks it's a crappy like show filmed on vhs yeah. that like with a lot of very cheap yeah. special effects but if you watch it after dark on your own mm. like it, it's mm. haunting you mm. know <laughs> and, and i know i know i sort of i think i mentioned this earlier but the music the the starting music um or the the, the title music oh, i guess yeah. you'd say yeah i'll i'll, I'll, I'll yeah. cut in a i'll cut in a sample of it oh, okay. um in, in, in post, post yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> wow wasn't that something um <laughs> <laughs> but like but honestly yeah it's just um i think i've, I've mentioned this to you before in uh, the v1 episode of um this episode <laughs> but yeah. i remember because i um a few friends and i saw bill bailey um live i don't know how many years ago but he had a whole bit on um uh band chords uh i can't remember oh the the tritone the tritone yeah yeah, yeah. yeah that's it um imperfect fourth or augmented fifth or the other way around i don't know but he had this whole great bit about it of course with like a you know keyboard and everything and just the yeah just how unsettling kind of how eerie certain you know sounds would be and uh, that's just kind of unsolved mysteries title music for me it's just uh, yeah just that shiver down your back kind of a thing which i know sounds silly but totally it's really mm. Not, not chill at all. No, around the time we were, I think it was before we'd actually recorded the last version of this. Um, uh, oh, yeah. I was talking to a friend who had been in Unsolved Mysteries Tragic as a kid and <laughs> sort of played him the song again and just saw the, the colour drain out of his face. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and he's like, oh, 
know, oh my god. Is it 2001 where it's just reflected in that guy's eyeball or, or in his eyes? Or maybe it's the helmet or something. I don't know. I'm just. Never mind. I'm <laughs> yeah, no, no. I know, I know what you mean. <laughs> or like that bit in um, Scream where Henry Winkler sees like Ghostface's reflection in his eye or something like oh, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my god. oh, Henry. Um, uh, yeah, exactly. Oh, the, we, we say that a lot these days. Oh, Henry. Right. <laughs> so, I guess. What's become of you? Oh, have you seen Barry? Okay, we can talk about Yeah, we'll, do, we'll talk about it. We'll, we'll take that discussion off. Okay. Yeah, so. Um, <laughs> okay. So. I think now we so we want to talk about three segments. Um, yes. Uh, from unsolved mysteries, um, but before we do that, we might just take a quick drink break. <laughs> So, welcome back to Lupine Transmission. Hello. So, we're back from our drink break. We had a quick chat about flat earthers while we were <laughs> while we <laughs> while we were offline. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's just uh, we won't get into it here because that's a subject in and all of itself. I probably yeah. won't do an episode about by, about them, but let's just say it's very silly. <laughs> Don't fall down the YouTube holes, guys. No, so, no. <laughs> um, mm. but what we do want to talk about now is some of the sequences. Um, we picked out three from across the series of uh, the various series, I should say. Mm. Unsolved Mysteries that we felt kind of exemplify pretty well some of the, um, uh, the I guess the spectrum of stuff you see on Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah, it's a nice little sampler, I believe. I think so. Yeah, yeah. A, a nice little triptych of... Uh, oh. <laughs> so, yeah. There we go. There's uh, there's high school art paying off right there. <laughs> oh, God. What up, Mr. Wallace, if you're listening? Hello, <laughs> Big shout out to Big Dubs there. Yeah. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so the first one we're going to talk about is the Texas UFO, or as it's more commonly known, the Cash Landrum incident. Mm. Now I had some very detailed notes about this, uh, which uh, have since been lost to the ether. So did mine. Um, which which about? are an, in fact an unsolved mystery <laughs> as to where they went after the after the first recording. But, yeah. So I'm just going to read a little bit off the unsolvedmysteries.fandom.com to kind of give the background on this case. So, okay, it's December 29th, it's 1980. Location, Dayton, Texas. Mm -hmm. Case, details. At around 9pm on the night of December 29, 1980, Betty Cash was driving on State Road 1485 in Dayton, Texas with her friend Vicky Landrum and Vicky's seven-year-old grandson, Colby. They were coming home from dinner when they witnessed a bright light ahead of them on the road. As they got closer to it, a strange and loud sound emitted from it. Betty stopped the car because the light was too bright for her to see the road. She got out to get a better look at the mysterious object. She described it as diamond-shaped with four points, and it was rounded at the top and bottom. The bottom part had flames shooting out of it, with an intense amount of heat coming from it. Betty went back to the car and found the door handle to be extremely hot to the touch, and once back inside, they watched as the object flew away. Just seconds later, several military helicopters flew overhead. Now, this is, like, a pretty... I remember seeing ads mm, for this segment like, as a little yeah, kid. Yeah, it's that iconic frame, isn't it, of her sort of holding her hand up to her face to shield the light. Um, 
I think. Yeah, and I think the trailer, because Unsolved Mysteries used to screen on Channel mm -hmm. 10 over here, um, they'd, uh, sh they'd show some of the UFO as well, actually, which is... Um, is a CG effect maybe not aged that well? Yeah, and I don't think it was even that more that impressive at the time. But you have to remember we weren't watching all this. Like now, when I watch Unsolved Mysteries, I'm watching on like 50 inch LCD yeah. TV. You know, <laughs> like, it, it wasn't meant for that. It was meant for like a CRT TVs yeah. in the 90s that was substantially yeah. smaller. Like so, so you, let's let's just keep that yes. in mind when we look at some of it yes. in hindsight too but yeah. sophie like uh g give me your take on what what happens from here well like, i'll tell you one of the finest uh fake scenes ever or recreations that you could possibly imagine <laughs> um the <laughs> the acting of this just really oh gosh i enjoyed it it was just uh i love scenes where you really can get a, a sense of like what the producers sort of told them or the directors told them prior to filming like like feeding them lines like I don't know. The, the thing that I had in mind is like, because when you first watch this scene, you know, it's the two women and the young boy. And, um, and the line is, um, sure was a good meal we just had. And then just sort of talking about yeah. how, how great the food was. And I just, I don't know, I just had this image of like a director like pinching his like, you know, nose somewhere off off to the side. It's like, look, just keep it. Just just keep going. Yeah. It's, <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting you say yeah. that. <laughs> Because, um, so my wife, um, so, so my wife had went to school with a guy who actually worked on a true crime show that featured a lot of reenactments. It was like women who oh, kill or something like that. And if I recall correctly, she somehow ended up talking. Now I could be conflating a couple of stories here, but, but just bear with me. I'm pretty sure this is what happened. Essentially when they produce these shows, they, if you can hear the actors talking, it means they were very pleased with the take and they thought the actors were at least adequate, ah. if not great. If you can't hear them talking, as you can't <laughs> no. in many segments of Unsolved Mysteries, it means it was a very bad take. The actors were pretty crappy and they need to fix it in post by essentially just having narration oh, over the top. So I think, yeah, the, the, this is definitely some of the quote-unquote better acting we see on Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> um, I, I thought the lady who played Betty Cash, um, her wig was really doing some heavy lifting during this scene, I have yes, to say. Yes, no, like, it but... really, really was. Um, I thought the likenesses were good, though. Like, I, I think, yeah, and mm. with the, the segment that we'll talk about next, actually, the actress who um, played the, the real-life woman. Um, yeah, I thought that was a really good match-up, too. Um, oh, and I should mention mm. as well, um, uh, from what I've seen, there's also uh, the start of episodes, they have a thing, you know, where possible we've used the real life people. Yeah, uh, So it's, yes, it's the yes, people yes. who had this happen to them, recreating it again for the TV show, which um, would have been an interesting conversation to be the fly on the wall for. But anyway, um, yeah, so, so yeah, to be fair for this one, none of the, the real life people recreated, you know, what had happened to them. Um, obviously, this was some years uh, in the past when they made this segment. Um, so, yeah, they had sort of younger actors playing these people, but they did have, like, obviously, the, the real people um, being interviewed for the segment. Um, yeah, so this this um, just around that this episode originally aired on in 1991, so it was like 11 years after the the initial case had yeah, happened. So yeah. um, now 
what kind of happens? This is where things get interesting. At this point, it's just pretty standard UFO sighting. Um, but after they arrive home uh, and and go to bed, uh, now you know Betty and and Vicky went their separate ways, their separate houses. Around one a.m. the next morning, and and this is from unsolvedmysteries.fandom.com again. So. At around 1am the next morning, Colby, the grandson, woke up Vicky and told her that he was feeling sick. She discovered he had a fever. He'd thrown up all over his bed. Then uh, she treated him, like, I guess gave him some medicine, some water and so on. He went, she, she went back to bed. And then later that morning, she woke up feeling sick too. And they both had the appearance of being sunburned, even though they hadn't been out in the sun the, the, the prior day, apparently. So Vicky went around to Betty's house to check on her, found that she had a fever uh, and she had big welts on her face and hands. Mm. So over the next four, to cut, a, to cut a much longer story short, essentially all of them ended up being quite ill and Betty in particular was treated for radiation yeah. poisoning. Yeah, yeah, I think because uh, yeah, mm. the, the friend took her to, um, yeah, to see a doctor who immediately admitted her and was able to kind of not maybe not so immediately but very quickly you know realized that she'd been exposed to massive amounts of radiation um and i think i don't know how soon it sort of occurred after her being admitted to hospital but she ended up losing about 50 percent of her hair um within a few days yeah. from what i could tell they were a bit vague about it on the episode mm. but um this this is a case that's had quite a few documentaries and ended up on all of shows like apparently it ended up on sightings there was a there was a documentary that they appeared in in the mid 80s about it so so it had already been kind of pretty well covered even by the time uh, it ended yeah. up on unsolved mysteries mm. so yeah um but it i what i thought was interesting is that none of them kind of assumed that uh, it was actually aliens or anything like oh, that the when, when they're interviewing the real life. Oh, yeah, because um, doesn't Betty say... Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I don't believe in little... <laughs> yeah, in little I don't green believe men. in little yeah. green men. <laughs> but it was some. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and they... To, again, to cut a much longer story short, um, their conclusion, and not unfairly, was that it was probably some kind of experimental military mm. aircraft that they'd run into... And so they ended up getting quizzed by the military. They went for to get quizzed by them under the impression that they thought they yeah, might they be able to get medical bags, help from they, them. Yeah, they show up with their little day bags. Oh, yeah. the... the recreated scene for that was particularly uh, difficult it was... to watch, though, because um, I, th I feel like they were probably just told, you know, mm, you have a mm. basic understanding of what happened, so just, you know, ad lib, just sort of <laughs> see how you go. Because, but I thought we were going to get help. Yeah, the, um, not that that's the funny part, that they needed help, but more just, yeah, the... I don't know, these actors are kind of like, come on, work with me a bit. Anyway, um, yeah, so they thought they were going to get taken <laughs> care of, basically. Um, and they, you know, wasn't it something really awful where they were, the, the military were kind of like, you know, what makes you think that anything that you've told us is sort of something that we need to offer our assistance to? Like, how do you know? Oh, yeah, that's right. Because they said, oh, and then we saw military aircraft afterwards or military helicopters. And, uh, and the first question they, they're asked is like, well, why do you think it was military? How can you prove it was? Um, yeah, and they essentially said, well, the the helicopters we saw were chin were unmarked, mm. but they were Chinook helicopters. Now, Chinooks are not helicopters that mm. are normally owned by private <laughs> citizens, so far as I'm aware. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure it's yeah. just the military that uses them, actually. So, um, 
but uh, the 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 cool part of this now one thing for me is uh, like the cool old lady is a real trope right and, and um for very and and it's i'm not saying it's a bad trope i'm just saying that it because of um various familial relations i have never really yeah. bought into it right um but like vicky and betty are both like cool old ladies like so after they went and saw the army and the army basically <laughs> told them to fuck off they ended up they ended up yeah, suing yeah, the, the, the government um, yeah no no <laughs> totally um i'm trying to think because nothing nothing ended up because they did file the civil suit is that right uh Yes, they they filed a civil suit against the government. They ended up in court to try and they 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 didn't really they they didn't really want it. the the only reason as Betty kind of states it is that they didn't really care that if it was a state secret. Yeah. They didn't need to know all the ins and outs. They just wanted to know what sort of radiation they'd been exposed to and how much yeah. so that they could yeah. get proper health treatments. Mm. And unfortunately, mm. you know, um, as far as yeah. I remember, nothing actually ended up coming of that. Um, or, no, the the suit ended up being dismissed because the military essentially turned up to the court and they said, "Do you have this type no. of aircraft?" And the military <laughs> yeah. said, "No, we don't." And, uh, you know, no, don't yeah. have it. Right. So, and we all know the military uh, never lies or, or mm. does anything like that. But, and I think that the temptation is there to kind of dismiss this as um, the the reason that I think this one has caught the public interest so much over the years is obviously because an actual lawsuit came out yeah. and I think but there have been some parallels with this one between a similar a, a similar kind of case that mm. went on at Area 51 right so um, so back in the back in the early 90s like everyone knew that Area 51 existed but it was still officially mm. denied and so on and so forth now I don't necessarily think they're actually keeping alien spacecraft there. What I think is probably happening is that they do some kind of military research and by its nature mm. that's inherently classified, right? So a number of civilian workers who stationed at Area 51 sued the government. Um, I think a couple of years after this, I want to say it was like the mid-90s, like the, the maybe 93 okay. to 95, somewhere in that. And they sued them because they all... Ra suddenly became very ill and they said look we've been exposed to something here we while we're disposing of waste mm. on the site like you know we need to know what it is so we can get proper medical treatment and of course the government the the military went in and said no we don't Slag know what off. they're talking about yeah and like, uh, yeah, but it became significant because it was sort of the case that forced them to acknowledge that the facility existed in the uh -huh, first place so. yeah yeah, yeah. So it's still not a very good outcome for anyone involved, but you can see the parallels here, and I think that's kind of why it's caught on. Um, with that said, um, certainly a few people, more than a few people, have pointed out some potential holes in it. Um, so, I mean, look, the thing is, like, Betty and Vicky were already in there. Betty was about 50 or 51. Um, Vicky was like 56 or 57 and we don't really know a huge amount about what sort of state of health they're in prior to um, prior to the yeah. sighting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I think I remember us talking about this and sort of 
because the the physician, the, the Betty's physician, anyway, he had said, Doc, Doctor Brian McClelland. Thank you, thank you, yeah. thank you John. <laughs> <laughs> he, you know, he was interviewed for this segment, um, the real life doctor, and he had sort of said, you know, not a doubt in my mind, Betty has absolutely been exposed to extremely high ra- uh, doses of radiation, uh, but he was also quite transparent about, you know, where this has come from. Um, I, I can't even begin to speculate. Like, he, he did seem very reluctant to sort of, you know, I suppose, lend support to the idea that their experience had happened as they told it. Um, but mm. he was definitely, you know, very supportive of the fact that, you know, that's a, that's a very, very much a real diagnosis. But I suppose your point is more that they were of an age where, you know, being susceptible to things like cancer, um, there's a much higher risk of that. Uh, in the ages that they were. Is that sort of what you were more getting at? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, look, your 50s and even before that, for some people, are often ages where people start to, to you know, the body starts to get wear and tear and start to break oh. down. We um, watched, sorry to interrupt, interrupt there, we watched, no, 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 we no, watched Death Becomes Her <laughs> um, recently <laughs> and good old Linda Evangelista and her whole scene with Meryl. Now a warning? Anyway, sorry I'm interrupting with that. But, um, but... <laughs> <laughs> but her whole right. thing about, you know, the ravages of age and, you know, um, what is that great line about oh, something to do with, you know, that this is life's, you know, great irony or, you know, great punishment is the, the body that you love, you know, you, you get to watch it decay. Oh, such a good scene. Anyway, <laughs> as you were, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, no, 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 that's fine. The, mm. Yeah, I think, you know, and so <laughs> Betty in particular seemed to end up very ill afterwards. And she she ended up in hospital a lot in the subsequent years. Um, she did live another eighteen years. She um, she got to she passed away when she was sixty nine, which was in uh, nineteen ninety eight. Um, and then Vicky lived a bit longer. She passed away in two thousand seven, and she doesn't seem to have had quite the same level of problems. But again, this is where you move into speculative territory. But Colby, the the grandson, he's still alive. He's in his mid forties these days um he he's not spoken about the case in huge detail but the last couple of years he's done a few interviews and things like that he was on ufo hunters um apparently he showed up in an episode of ancient aliens fairly recently and i think there was another documentary he did so um yeah it's uh, what i think is difficult about this one is that it's not hard to feel that they probably were wronged in yeah, some way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's not like they were sort of saying, well, yeah, it was definitely aliens who came to abducted us and that made us mm. sick and the government's mm. in on it. They told a much more plausible story, Absolutely. to be mm. frank, of like, you know, essentially government neglect and, you know, willful ignorance on their part. Yeah. So that that's what disappoints me, yeah, I think. No, yeah. Hmm. Well, on that somewhat downbeat <laughs> note, um, it's definitely worth watching that I segment, so, though. Yeah. Like, um, uh, we will move on to possibly the most unusual case, one of the more unusual cases Unsolved Mysteries ever covered, I think. Now, um, I just want to be upfront about this one. This, If you're sensitive to um, uh, instances of, say, stalking or, um, yeah. uh, I guess, yeah, violent attacks... Um, I th- I might be worth skipping ahead a little bit to to skip this mm-hmm. one, um, but this is the story of um, Cindy James. Um, oh, oh, so sorry. just with those 
No, no, oh, no, you go, I was go, just going to say with go, those yeah. warnings as well. Um, uh, so the start of this segment, as Tom is about to describe, there's also a, a file photo you see of um, a, a dead body, uh, the real dead body. And um, the first time I watched it, I remember thinking, oh, bloody hell, okay, um, because there's no warning mm. for it at all. But it is the real-life photo of um, uh, the woman... I was about to say found in situ, but that's not quite it. But basically, yeah, the scene, the, the file photo of um, the woman found at the scene. Um, and it's, mm, yeah, it's a pretty unpleasant image, I suppose, because she is, well, I don't want to skip ahead. But yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's definitely a confronting image at the start mm. of the segment. Yeah, it's it's pretty awful. Um, uh, you've, you've watched this one again more recently me so i might let you kind of take the lead on the on the story around this one if, if you um, want yeah uh sure i don't i don't i don't necessarily have <laughs> tom no no that's <laughs> what okay are you doing <laughs> no, no, no. i just don't yeah. have the, the put the you dates, on the spot the yeah, the... all that sort of stuff um but yeah i i mean the, the the nuts and bolts of it um i guess you might say is um so yeah this does center around uh, a woman named cindy james who i believe she was a pediatric nurse yeah, yeah, yeah. She she was well. She was definitely a nurse. I, I can't remember if she was yeah. pediatric, but um, either way, yeah. yeah the, and basically, she was married, had no children of her own, and then I think it was about four months after she and her husband separated, um, she started getting threatening phone calls. Um, so this was uh, she. They separated in July 1982, right. and then yeah. So. Yeah, and I think yeah. So three or four months after they'd separated, um, she was living on her own, and she. Um, answered the phone one night to um i think of you know the phone calls sort of changed each time they weren't always the same but you know sometimes it was silence and i think sometimes um it was sort of you know whispered threats and things but basically she started getting all of these calls um these really disturbing phone calls uh and i actually think her sister her real life sister has a website which i don't necessarily recommend looking up because she has recordings of some of those phone calls on the website um mm, which mm. are definitely unsettling i think for for the sake of research i did try and um uh listen to one and i pretty much i mean this is just me but i i clicked off it fairly quickly just there's something very yeah uh definitely creepy about it um yeah the oh yeah mm. just the voice itself oh, was... and, and sort of yeah it, it's just yeah it sounds yeah. kind of like I don't know. I, I won't try and recreate, but yeah. So anyway, so she started getting these very disturbing calls um, at all hours. What was sorry? What were you going to say, Tom? Uh, I was just going to say I think it's made even more disturbing because we know the story didn't have a happy yeah. ending or anything yeah. like that. You know, oh. so yeah. Mm -hmm. The um, so as well as the phone calls, she claimed to have been attacked quite a quite a number of times. Now this, this all unfolded over of um, seven years um, so she she claimed to be attacked violently a number of times she claims that um, lights were smashed on her porch phone lines got severed um, and she did go to the police and it is hard not to feel like the police didn't take it nearly as seriously as they yeah. should oh my goodness um, that, that Neil yeah. Hall guy in particular um, mm. Sorry, so to be specific, in, in this um, segment, so they, you know, they interview, um, I think Agnes, is it Wood, Wood something, Agnes? 
Agnes yeah. Woodcock, um, yeah. So yeah. she was a real-life friend of um, Cindy. They also interview Cindy's parents, which is the most heart-wrenching part of it. Um, honestly, mm. it's, it's really mm. difficult watching, um, you know, these two poor parents um, talk about their daughter and about her the experience um uh, but they also interview on the other side of the coin oh sorry and also Ozzy Caban um which was her who was her uh she had a private investigator that she'd hired throughout all of this um so they interview him as well but then sort of on the other side of the coin the only other side of the coin uh you might say is um a gentleman named Neil Hall who kind of offers the perspective quite ardently um that and I hope I'm not jumping ahead here with the story. Um, no, 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 that no. She, he was of the belief that, and the police slowly became of this belief too, that, yeah, she was doing this to herself, um, that this mm. is something that she was staging and that she might have had maybe multiple personalities. Um, but it was, it's a really hard watch to, to sort of rewatch it recently because, you know, you have these tearful moments with her parents and then, you know, even Ozzy Caban, um, you know, he was of, you get the impression that he was of the belief that he, you know, believed that she was experiencing this, that she was being stalked and that she was having these experiences and it wasn't coming from her. But then this guy, Neil, mm. oh man, <laughs> it's really, um, it's tough watching him because he's quite adamant that, um, that, yeah, that she was doing it to herself. And I think the first time, is it the first time you see him interviewed, you know, it's, it's got Robert Stack kind of talking over the top um, of footage of him, you know, being interviewed, this Neil guy. And, uh, and then when they sort of bring in Neil's audio, the first thing he's saying is, you know, uh, one and a half million dollars spent on, you know, investigating this woman's threats sort of a thing. <laughs> like the first thing you yeah. hear from this guy, from this other's perspective. And don't get me wrong, I think it's totally important to offer multiple perspectives on things in general. But, you know, his is just so, he's just, did you get that feeling too, that he really seemed kind of pretty scathing about it? That he, It seemed yeah. pretty cold, yeah. yeah. And I, I think that the, the big thing that stuck out to me from watching all this was what wasn't included, I think. Like, look, I, I should, before we go on, I should say that, like, the, the internet is rampant with speculation about Cindy James. Like, there's people all over Reddit who have hugely elaborate theories, and, like, some of them have been developed from, uh, you know, watching the, the show. There were a couple of books that were written about it. Some of them incorporate stuff from that, but, but a lot of them don't. So, it's, you know, be, be careful what you believe when you read about it online. But with that said, um, they mention her separating from her husband, but yeah. then they never mention yeah. him again. Now, it, which is surprising because normally the, you know, oh, someone's being stalked me a month after separating. Perhaps the, the yes. ex-husband's involved and, in that. Oh, you know? I was going to say, and interestingly as well, he they none of the husband, as you said, but he actually was a psychiatrist himself, Um which is, I suppose, kind of interesting mm, when you know mm, that later mm. on she was in and out of um, mental health facilities, or at least, I think, two stays, oh, definitely at least two stays where, um, anyway, I think I am jumping ahead a little bit, but, you know, she was sort of the the centre of a lot of um, speculation uh, regarding her mental health um, Yeah, and, and I mean, look, my, I'm going to jump in my sort of takeaway was perhaps she did have some mental health problems at some point in her life, but that doesn't mean she was like stalking, you know, quote unquote, stalking herself for seven years, you know, like, God, the, no. No. And, of, and of course she'd be having a breakdown if you were being stalked for that long, you know, like it's not, uh, but 
and it's hard to know too. Some of this is like this is like a ten-minute segment on TV, you know. So, so some stuff is going to get cut for brevity. But so the, they never really talk about the ex-husband. I couldn't find out a ton about him. Um, he, his name was Roy Makepeace, um, and he actually passed away in 2013 at the age of 87. Now he actually was interrogated at one point because. Um, it seems like someone did some basic police work and went, oh, maybe we should talk to the ex-husband. <laughs> um, now, he, they seem to have... He's, he apparently received a death threat at one point himself. Like uh, So I think he was... I get the impression he was eliminated as a suspect fairly quickly. But again, some of the details around this are vague. There's lots of internet speculation. I, I don't want to... Um, certainly, he... Yeah, no, I don't. I don't want to sort of poison the well, and I, I don't want to um, to have a go at him needlessly either. You know, I yeah, I, d I don't know what the yeah. I, I certainly wonder whether there was more involvement than than yeah. is letting on, but I just don't. I can't say. You know, mm. so it's certainly noticeably absent from massively. Yeah, yeah it yeah, it sticks yeah. out how much he's not mentioned. Like, yes. Yeah. 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 The other thing they don't mention is that she also had a boyfriend for a time, apparently, who was a policeman themselves. I read that on Reddit, and I didn't know if that was... Yeah, I just sort of went, hmm, that was, is that true? I um, think it is. I can't remember where I came... Look, I can't remember where I came across myself, but uh, um, it might have been the Perhaps It's You podcast episode about it. Um ooh. But uh, we, which is, uh, I'll mention that. I'll g give that a shout out at the end. But um, <laughs> the, yeah. I, I think that, um, yeah, I think she did. I think the boyfriend was real, and I mean, of course, that raises questions too. Like, if he was the one doing the stalking, then mm. Mm. Um, of course, it's, there's the potential that other police weren't going to walk into it too closely themselves. So yeah. Wow. Yeah, but yeah. unfortunately, the long and the short of it is that it kind of the case kind of culminates with years and years of this going on, mm -hmm. and you know, some fairly violent incidents and that kind of thing, and yeah. a house burning down and or being mm -hmm. set on fire, I should say, mm -hmm. and eventually, she, um, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, eventually um, she so. On May, this is a reading from unsolvedwikisfandom.com as well. <laughs> um, so, uh, sorry, sorry, unsolvedmysteries.fandom.com. So, mm -hmm. uh, on May 25th, 1989, six years and seven months after the first threatening phone call, Cindy disappeared. On the same day, her car was found in the neighborhood parking lot. Mm -hmm. Inside were groceries and a wrapped gift. There was blood on the driver's side door and items from a wallet under the car. Mm -hmm. Two weeks later, her body was found at an abandoned house. It looked like she'd been murdered with her hands and her feet bound together behind her back. Mm -hmm. um, she had a stocking tied around her neck. And the autopsy revealed that she died of an overdose of morphine and drugs. So mm -hmm. police can... Police sort of said that the that they thought it was suicide. And yeah, and was that that was the initial ruling, wasn't it? Because I know that they ended up 
so, updating that. Sorry, you, you probably have to. No, no, no. What it, what, it, what it says here was that the coroner ruled that her death was an unknown event. Like, so they they didn't feel the coroner didn't feel they could definitively say what had caused her death. Right. Like, yeah. So it's very very strange. Yeah. And and I want to point out as well that it's significant about that um, the stocking or the nylon tied around her. Uh, throat um, because that was uh, a key feature in several of the the violent attacks that she had um, experienced unfortunately Um, Agnes Woodcock uh, came to her house one time and found her um, this is at night time she wasn't answering her door and and I think she ended up turning uh, around the corner of the house and seeing her um, Cindy tied up or at least crouched over with the nylon tied around her neck um, mm. and maybe her hands had been bound as well. I can't quite remember but um, in, an, in another incident before her death but after that one she was also found in a ditch um, several miles from her home I think it was and uh, again had the nylon tied around her neck um, and she was wearing a, a man's work boot and a glove as far as I remember um, but this was yeah again just like a uh, it did seem to be a feature that yeah, was sort of prominent in these attacks that would happen to her. Um, uh, and so, yeah, it being yeah. yeah present in her death, sort of chilling, I think. It's very, very... So this this case got quite a bit of coverage around the time as well, too, when she, when she passed away. Like, um, And then after it turned up on Unsolved Mysteries, it obviously um, attracted a lot of other media attention around the same time as well. So it's still unsolved. Um, now, her parents um, never really sort of wavered from thinking that she had been murdered. Um, both of them have passed away. They didn't in the years since, because um, obviously this, this happened you know 30 odd years ago now um they've no never really it's it's very odd like and and like i said i really even on first watch of um of the case i i don't i didn't get the impression we were getting the full story i i don't think the full story has come out and i'll be her sister sort of is keeping the the flame alive in terms of hoping for further investigation but yeah, it's it's a it's a tough one. Mm. It's a pretty awful one, just because it's so upsetting. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the the hardest hitting edits in this whole segment was sort of um, going from, you know, the footage of her parents talking about, you know, just how how you know much they they refused, not even just refused, but they just you know it was out of um, completely. Uh, they weren't able to believe at all that it was suicide and I think the mother had said sort of something like you know if if Cindy was going to commit suicide she would dress herself up properly um, and and she you know would make sure her I think something about her dog would be taken care of and and so on and so forth and and she would do it right sort of a thing Mm -hmm. Um, and you know that's obviously really really upsetting to watch you know a mother say that about you know her deceased child and then it cuts to that (laughs) that bloody Neil Hall guy (laughs) Um, I'm not laughing more out of just like shock right than anything mm. else but you know um it's such a unsympathetic edit because it goes from you know cindy's mum to this other man who uh, neil who who sort of says you know i think denial is really hard for a lot of people yeah <laughs> or he just like, has wow that's uh unflinching kind of you know um yeah just lack of sympathy basically mm, mm. and he he wrote one of the books around it so i don't yeah, i don't yeah. really quite know what the thought process was i don't know if there's just that element of like 
um, I'm a journalist, so I'm detached to a degree mm. or something like that. But it, but it, it mm. didn't come across well <laughs> by no, any means, you know. The... Yeah, I'd say detached is like the almost the last word for him. He seemed like personally offended that you know, I mean that that anyone could think otherwise, you know, than than his sort of take on the situation. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. he and he does. Uh, I haven't read his book myself. It resells for big money these days, so the the odds of finding it are, are very unlikely. Mm. But um, <laughs> uh, for finding it for a reasonable price and me buying it are unlikely. But it, I don't know. It's it's there's there's not much happy to to say about that mm, one. So unfortunately, yeah. With with that said, um, the, the, we are going to finish on a more chipper note. Um, so we'll we'll come to the last segment, um, which is uh, the magic rock. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> um, now, this segment is really um, the oh. it, it's. Everything great and just everything got awful about unsolved <laughs> mysteries in in one in one like ten minute ten minute segment yeah. and it's uh, I I love it I love it so yeah. much like yeah. so it's a private pleasure it's it's truly wonderful <laughs> yeah it it is it's um yeah you you see so this this one I actually saw for the first time when I was watching one of these like mini unsolved mysteries marathons that I was having in Texas <laughs> um a few years back so Dennis Farina introduced it and I and obviously at the time I hadn't seen unsolved mysteries since I was a little kid mm. so I was watching it and I was like this is unhinged <laughs> like it it wasn't actually all like this was it like yeah. has my memory been lying to me like but but <laughs> But no, ma- magic magic rock is is uh, an unusual thing. So, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> so here here we are. It's May fourteenth, nineteen eighty eight. And again, I, I'm looking at fandom dot com for this. So, thirteen um, year old Jamie Parks and his friend Trevor Johnson went into the woods in Washington State near the Canadian border and found a bizarre rock <laughs> with strange cryptic alien like drawings on it. Now, Sophie, tell me what you think these illustrations actually look like on this rock, because we get a pretty good view of it. Like, like, uh, like I reckon it's the sort of thing you see scratched into like a primary school desk, maybe. Um, kind of deep grooves of like, oh, I don't even know, like, not like people, but like a, a rudimentary you know the kind of x with a dot at the top kind of like that's a person sort of a thing um mm. weird kind of like circle it just it yeah or it looks like a face tattoo maybe that's it <laughs> yeah it's just um it's symbols basically it it's total total crap though isn't it like <laughs> yeah. it's not like it's not complex or intricate no. or anything like that like it's yeah it's very obviously um yeah. some kid with a or you know some teenagers with a chisel yeah. or something like, like that, that that everyone used to draw at school. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, the cool S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cool so, S, the cool S. But but so this is one of the reenactments that has the real people in it, or at least most of the people. <laughs> and one of the first things you hear the kids say is maybe the Martians. Did. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, and like um like what I was saying before, when you feel like these lines are clearly being fed to them by the crew, like yeah, just say that, just sort of emphasize that, like um, because what doesn't one of the kids sort of say, yeah, it's got all the aspects of nature. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's got. (laughs) It must have been thousands and millions of years ago. You would have needed someone with a laser to do. Yeah, that's right. Oh my god. 
So I we don't veer fully into ancient aliens territory or anything like that, um, which which I tend to think is good. But um, but it does it proceeds to get more unhinged, right? <laughs> so uh, we have uh, so Trevor runs home immediately. Mm. And tells his parents, Steve Johnson, Patty Johnson, about this discovery. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Steve is um, what a mustache! Oh like God. you know, yeah. The, yeah and I the, must say, um, it was—I don't want to say erotic, but there's something kind of very sensual about how they chose to shoot him because he's got the mustache, but he's also got a fireplace in the background. And yeah, I don't know if yeah. it was his suggestion, but he's got at least one or two of the top buttons undone as well. Um, of his shirt. He's, he's like got a lot of charisma yeah. for for a guy who like if you break it down, <laughs> it, it shouldn't necessarily be that attractive. Like he's dressed very much in the style of the time. He's like a guess he's, who guy he, as well. Like yeah, he, it, very much so. Mm-hmm. He looks like a guess who card mm-hmm. guy. He's kind of going bald, like. <laughs> um, but yeah, he just just radiates this weird charisma yeah. and like and you're like yeah, this is a handsome guy. Like yeah. because then you meet his wife and you're like wow. <laughs> Um, you know, you're you're punching above your weight, aren't you, <laughs> yeah. aren't you, Steve? But 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 then you kind of get it. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Because so. I think that um, the first thing we we hear him say, it cuts to him, and and he's just got this intense gaze at the camera, and he's like, I felt this immediate need to go and see this rock. Yeah, um, <laughs> so, just unblinking. <laughs> and it so the the Johnsons were apparently kind of in a financial bind at the time so they they had been hoping to start up a small dress shop um Steve was working as a corrections officer Patty I think was a receptionist mm, something like mm. that um uh, and then um they they were hoping to open this dress shop but there'd been dramas at the last minute and it had all fallen behind mm. and like everyone's tight for money and so Steve immediately runs down to the, see this rock. He he has to see it now, ASAP. Right? So, <laughs> Push his kids out of the way. Yeah, get running. the fuck out of the way, Trevor. <laughs> I want to see this rock. Like you know, if you can't you. take me there yeah. sooner, <laughs> you're in big trouble, buddy. Like the, yeah. So just two days later, allegedly, uh-huh. um, the Johnsons like starts to to take a shift. Mm. Um, so the the mall where they hope to reopen the dress shop reaches out to them and says, hey, um, you know how you were going to open that dress shop? And they're like, yeah, of course, you know, the ones that you said we couldn't. And then they said, well, actually, we want you to open a much bigger store. Okay, well, we can do that. That sounds great, but we don't have enough in- inventory to fill that four space. Don't worry about the inventory. We'll look after the inventory. <laughs> and they tapped the side of their nose. No. Exactly. Oh, I, think, I think we talked about this before, but when we first talked about this, I'd just come off like a very intense week of um, binging all three um, seasons of Ozark in one week. I hadn't seen it before. Um, and without going into it, it's basically, yeah, Lonnie, uh, Lonnie, money laundering um, in the Ozarks and kind of, you know, all the stuff that um, good old Jason Bateman goes through. Which, P.S., it's so weird to not see him as um, Michael Bluth. It, it's ne- he's never not going to be that character to me. It's so weird to see him, you know, say fucking to, you know, shoot guns. It actually, does he shoot a gun? Are there guns? I can't remember now, but anyway. You know, Zach? Oh, see, I haven't seen Ozark, oh, okay. so, yeah. But I, I do remember you saying that it was kind of like... 
he's got to launder all this money. Yes. So yeah. the, the Johnsons in this instance are the family on the receiving end yeah. who are like being the, the mooks for the <laughs> for the money laundering essentially. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> because yeah, because essentially yeah, when um without getting into Ozax too much, he goes and he's like posing as this angel investor and so he's trying to get any business that'll have him to come in and, you know, for him to invest in their business and obviously that means that he can launder the money through them and all the rest of it. Obviously they don't know that. But when I was watching this segment again, um this magic rock one i'm like tell me this isn't actually what's happening to this family yeah. that they've got this <laughs> did they end up losing their knee later yeah. to mafia times yeah or something? yeah like <laughs> i don't know and, and, and it's sort of kind of wholesome though because i think you know wow and you know uh, we didn't have the inventory and they're like don't worry and they said they'd take care of it and it's like oh god our luck is just going from you know better to even better um well it, it, their luck gets even better so far. <laughs> so so the, 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 the dress shop is going all right. And um, then Steve gets offered by the mall managers to, to take over the movie theatre, which which apparently is um, uh, having its ups and downs at the time. Uh, and he does such a great job there that they say, well, would you like mm. to open a third shop? And so he opens a candy store. And then, like, this is the only time he doesn't look super cheery. They show him behind the counter at the candy store, and he just looks so intensely angry <laughs> as he's like, make it, yeah, make making change for this oh kid or something like yeah. that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, and it's all, of course, inevitably down to this magic rock. Um, and so then after that they also get offered the chance to live in a house rent free for something like a couple of years as long as they do some repairs around the place and like and you, you kind of go this this is awesome like you know i'm really happy for this family but i don't necessarily see the connection no. between it and and no. a rock but you then know? <laughs> to you know kind of really like make it a home run the pan flute returns um because yes, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I should. There, there is like the the sort of um, new age tape, new age panpipe mm. tape is playing th- oh, for yeah. most of this segment, and it and it does kick <laughs> up again. And With you know the kid playing in the stream the, in the background, and you know Patty looking around at the forest around her, and and he's. Steve, like yeah, looking at it lovingly, like and caressing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. And then, best of all, it cuts to this ex. And, and and look, they do they do say, and this is one of the the more plausible explanations they offer after between mm. Martians and people, you know, ancient, you know, people with lasers or something. They do suggest that perhaps it might have been from one of the um, indigenous nations nearby, from yeah. the area or something like that, you know. But then they <laughs> have an archaeologist come in, <laughs> and, and the, the, yeah, the archaeologist is definitely not. <laughs> Picking up, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. definitely not buying this one. He just says no. It's just like yeah. there's nothing. Like, there's nothing here. Like the, oh no, I was going to say know, hats off to Robert. Oh sorry, because he doesn't go. actually change his voice. He's saying it very cheerfully, as if it's completely like in support of the story. But I actually wrote down the quote. Um, <laughs> the the archaeologist concluded the symbols were made in this century and have no religious significance or magical powers. But he says it like kind of like, and that's the end of this chapter. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Nothing out of the ordinary. Yeah, and he's just he's <laughs> yeah, just kind exactly. of like, but who cares? It's a good yeah. story, you know. <laughs> and, and but he does. But I, I love how he sells it. Like you know, the it's uh, and then he says the title as well too. He says, <laughs> yeah. Perhaps it's an unsolved mystery. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good times. Yeah. If you don't watch any of the other segments Please that we've talked that about, one. make yeah. sure you watch the the Magic Rock. The, there should be a series about it now like the, why isn't the 2020 series following up on the magic rock like <laughs> That's so i tried to do a bit of digging around this one because the people involved are all relatively young and like even steve and patty were not like they were probably younger than we are now when when they filmed mm. this you know like um mm-hmm. uh i couldn't find very much information i found someone who claimed to have uh, in this forum Online, he claimed to have been like one of the real kids who originally found it, and then Steve, oh. Steve was oh, yeah. uh, not not Steve. Um, Trevor was brought along later. Then he claimed oh, he claimed he'd had a falling out with one of the kids and not spoken to him in like twenty odd years. You know, and, and it was yeah, that's how he got standing. Exa- yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the the magic rock, you know. You kids want to see a magic rock, you know. <laughs> yeah. And and mm. you do kind of wonder like. It's one of those stories that it could just be some local just talking shit, or it could actually be what happened. (laughs) With Mm. the benefit of some hindsight, I do wonder whether this was an elaborate story they cooked up to try and promote the local mall. Um, And... In, in a really roundabout fashion, um, yeah. but that's that's speculative, and who knows? Perhaps the rock actually was magical. Like <laughs> it's as as Robert wow. Stack said, it, truly, perhaps it's an unsolved mystery. <laughs> so, <Yay>. Yes, <laughs> uh, clap clap. <laughs> so, so what was wow. what was your take on this one? Because I know you found Cindy James pretty rough when um when oh when you God. watched it, but I imagine this must have made a, a good palate cleanser. Oh, definitely. This is the the puppy story at the end of the news kind of one for sure. Um, I would say, I mean, the thing is, I I actually fully believe there, maybe not Patty's, but I believe Steve's, you know, investment in this rock for sure. As far as Trevor goes, I think he's a kid and, you know, as a kid, if you're seeing your parents believe in something, you know, that's going to give a lot of weight you know, to to your sort of interpretation of things. Um, I don't know. So I, I... is the question, do I think The Rock... Oh, no, 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 no. Just, just <laughs> no, kind of any, any final thoughts to it. No, no. Oh, no, of course okay. I don't, don't think you think The, <laughs> the, the like, Rock's come. actually magical. <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, hot take. <laughs> um, it's, sort of, it's sort of like Lisa in the, the Tiger Rock or whatever it is. Um, what is it with Homer? And... Uh, I don't know. She's got a... Okay, you can cut this. But it's a whole thing with like, you know, what if I told you this This rock keeps tigers away? And uh, she's like, well, do you see any tigers? And Homer's like, well, I'd like to buy your rock. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, um, yeah. There's... There's, um, it's very, it's very Carney-esque, the whole thing. Like, Steve, definitely I could believe he's sincere about it. But if he's not, he missed a tremendous calling as an actor. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 no yeah. doubt. I feel like I, get, I got the vibe that Patty was kind of like, 
you know, I mean, to her credit, in her in little interview or the first interview at the start, she's kind of like, you know, well, I don't think she says it, but there's sort of the suggestion of, well, I was like, skeptical at first, but, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I, I had a really eerie feeling. She's really you trying know. to play that one both ways, isn't she? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. please yeah. interpret this. I, I love my husband a lot, and we've, we've <laughs> finally we finally <laughs> hit the big time after, after a lot of years of not being on, on the big money, you know, so maybe... <laughs> If if a rock's yeah. what my husband needs, then I'm gonna yeah, go with that. Puts out yeah. her <laughs> I want yeah. to hope they're still married and happy, and that yeah, yeah, yeah. But I really couldn't find very much about them. Like Steve Johnson is not a terribly uncommon name, shockingly, even in that part of the country. And it's been like thirty odd. years. So yeah, yeah. If you've got any information about the Johnsons, and or or if you are the Johnsons and you'd like to come on an episode of Blue Pine Transmissions, we would love to have you. Yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> I guess that kind of brings us to a close. <laughs> so I, I want to give a shout out to a few things. Um, look, if you have enjoyed this episode and or if you're just an Unsolved Mysteries enthusiast, um, definitely you can you should go watch Unsolved Mysteries on YouTube. It is on Amazon Prime as well, but don't give Jeff Bezos your money. He doesn't need it. Um <laughs> I would also recommend you go and check out the podcast, Perhaps It's You, um, which is an Unsolved Mysteries rewatch podcast. It's very good. I like it a lot. They're not affiliated with this show. We, I'm, I'm just an admirer of theirs. Um, I would also like to give a shout out to some of the podcasts on the Ox Network alongside Lupine Transmissions. So we've got Are You There Pod, uh, which is all about uh, young adult fiction, primarily from the 80s and 90s. I've guested on an episode of that talking about uh, Goosebumps, <laughs> which yeah, which I think you listened to a while back, didn't you? So, well, yeah, you, no, you told yeah. me you listened to it. Now you're on the spot. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I, I remember enjoying mm. it very much. And uh, Shelf Life, the collector's podcast where Blake Blake and Adam talk all about toys. Uh, I've definitely listened to those. Before. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, uh, but why? Because I haven't been on any episode. <laughs> Caught in a web of lies. No, no, no. I, ha- I have. Uh, I've been on a couple of episodes of Shelf Life. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was talking about wrestling in one. I was talking about... Uh, Oh geez, I should know this. It only came out a few weeks ago. Um, we was, oh yeah, it was on for Halloween. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and also discographology, where Springfield, Missouri band, more of that, go through discographies of various bands. Um, at the time of recording, they're just about to start at the drive-in. So if you remember punk rock from when you were a teenager, definitely go check it out. So. Um, Sophie, thank you so much for coming on today. It's uh, it's been great fun doing round two of this podcast, (laughs) round two of episode one, and talking about unsolved mysteries. We'll have to have you back sometime when we do the more modern version. Yeah. And oh, I'd love to. And what what, what, I mentioned earlier that we wanted to have you back on for something else too. The X Files. The X Files. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, a newbie watches X-Files. Mm. Actually, yeah, Working go. <laughs> actually, that's for everyone. If you're in Australia, this, or, or if you have a VPN that, that can let you access Australian sites, SBS On Demand yeah. has the complete series of the X-Files on there, so go watch that too. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> 
Join me as I. Yeah. <laughs> no, I definitely want to give it a go. Yeah, definitely, definitely. definitely. All right. Well, thank you again, everyone. And until next time and until next episode, um, I don't have a snappy catchphrase yet. I, <laughs> I was going to say, let's, let's yeah, hear it. Kind of yeah, no, no. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there so by just, the end of this run of episodes. <laughs> 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 we'll, we'll get there by the end of this, this run of episodes. But uh, until next yeah. time, speak soon. And uh, keep your eyes on the skies. <laughs> oh, why do you say skis? Uh, skies, skies. Like no, no, don't keep your eyes on the skis. No, we don't, we don't want... You should just cut it, like, at some point during our audience. <laughs> and scene. <laughs> Bye, everyone.